Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, and boy, oh boy, we got a rare treat today because not only are we going through the 2020 schedule to predict wins and losses, redo this exercise that we had done months ago for the Miami Dolphins, but now we're also going uh, to be experiencing our first travel day together. What do I mean by first travel day? I'm glad you asked. Right now, it's at the time of recording, it's uh, 5.20 in the morning. I'm headed to the Philadelphia International Airport. I'm heading to Charlotte this week, and uh The grind never stops. So I'm in my car right now, and I'm recording whilst traveling. So I just want to give you guys that fair disclaimer. You hear little clicks. It's the turn signal. You hear little smudges. It's the windshield wiper. It's a little foggy on the the windshield this morning. Nevertheless, as I said, the grind never stops. So, first things first. We do have some administrative items to get to before we dig into the nitty-gritty of the Dolphins' 2020 schedule. Uh, There were some practice squad designations, and and the Dolphins, I do think it's interesting, the Dolphins did bring five players in for tryouts, all five of them interior offensive linemen. So, a bunch of street-free agents... Uh, don't, there's nobody that's going to like move the needle that's not players with a lot of NFL tenure. But the Dolphins continuing to... A lot of center-eligible players, too. What does that tell us? Well, obviously, Ted Karras starting center. Michael Dieter is your primary backup, but he's also a swing player that's going to be eligible and required to be eligible at, I would say, all three interior spots. Realistically, he's probably backup left guard, backup center. I think you've probably got Robert Hunt on call at right guard if something were to happen right now. But if something were to happen and the Dolphins' depth is tested on the interior offensive line and Dieter's pulled into the starting lineup, now you lost a backup for both spots. And now you're one injury from Ted Karras away from having a disaster on your hands because, uh, what, Jesse Davis is going to move to center, and now you're going to have a rookie right tackle, a rookie right guard, a guy who's never snapped before playing center, and then, like, you'd have uh, Michael Dieter at left guard. We'd be more talented than last year's team. But could you imagine? Could you imagine? And then you're going to look rookie at left tackle. If something happened to Eric Flowers and Dieter got pulled in, and then in the next game, Ted Karras got hurt. Depth continues to be a point. Adam Pankia is probably a guy who would get a call at one of the guard spots. But if it were center, yeah, it could get dicey for Miami. We cannot afford to have... Dieter pulled into the lineup, or Karras and Dieter both get hurt. So, Dolphins continuing to do their due diligence. I know some people like Danell Stanley. 
in the build-up to training camp and then once training camp started, but he obviously didn't make the 53, didn't make the practice squad, so Dolphins kicking rocks on some other guys because that is a potential derailment point if, heaven forbid, injury struck. But players that are on the practice squad, we had some action there today as well. The Miami Dolphins have designated four practice squad players as protected for week one of the 2020 season. This is a new feature for all NFL teams this year, one of several new practice squad features that teams are allowed to strategize with. The Dolphins protecting cornerbacks Ken Webster and Tay Hayes, along with tight end Chris Myrick and quarterback Jake Rudock. Rudock makes the most sense in that the Dolphins are carrying just two quarterbacks on the active roster, and heaven forbid if something were to happen to either Tua Tungavailoa or Ryan Fitzpatrick, either via injury or via a positive coronavirus test that would make either one of them unable to play, the Dolphins would then have a guaranteed player that they could call up to the active roster, that being the other wrinkle that teams can now exercise this year versus years past. Two players from the practice squad each and every week will be given the opportunity to be promoted to the active roster to take part in the Dolphins game day operations. It should come to the surprise of absolutely nobody who follows this football team that the Dolphins protecting and continuing to prioritize defensive back play. Brian Flores loves his cornerbacks and you will continue to see this team play a lot of cornerbacks, draft a lot of cornerbacks, sign a lot of cornerbacks, and carry a lot of cornerbacks on the practice squad. You get into the defensive backfield as well, and the Dolphins suddenly have a ton of defensive backs at their disposal. Tay Hayes, player coming over from Jacksonville on the waiver wire last year, who showed himself quite well in the early portions of the season. Ken Webster, a very athletic cornerback who in his own right has promise uh, his injury at Ole Miss derailed his opportunity to really flash with consistency at the college level. Uh, But nevertheless, the Dolphins making sure that their continued focus on cornerbacks extends beyond the active roster and onto the practice squad, where quite frankly, in a season in which we will probably continue to see durability be an issue for all teams, the Dolphins are doing their due diligence to make sure that their third, fourth, and fifth string cornerbacks are all going to be capable and ready to answer the call if the Dolphins need to call upon them throughout the course of the 2020 season. That continues to be proven by the Dolphins' decision to make both Tay Hayes and Ken Webster protected from being plucked from their practice squad onto another team's active roster in week one. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques 
Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. So let's get into this Miami Dolphins schedule for the 2020 season. It's a interesting first month of the season, right? And if the Dolphins can have success in the first month of the season, I think this is a team that could win 10 games. Could win 10 games. That was the the qualifier that Peter King put on. It's, I think the Dolphins could win 10 games. He, Peter King picked the Dolphins to win the AFC East. Well, I don't think we talked about that. Should we read anything into it? No, probably not. But I do think it's interesting. Peter King, longtime NFL columnist, now at NBC Sports, writes Football Morning in America, uh, picks the Dolphins to win 10 games, picked the Dolphins to be the four seed in the playoffs. Uh, they were the final seeded divisional winner, and they would have hosted the Indianapolis Colts in the wild card round, according to how Peter King has it structured. Week one against the New England Patriots. Obviously, this game is right on the horizon. Um, I don't want to do too much analysis on this game because that's what Friday is for this week for us. Uh, We're going to go real deep into what we should expect the Dolphins to try to do, how the Patriots are going to try and attack us. At the end of the day, I do think this is probably going to be a season series split, and I think the Patriots having the blank slate of week one at their advantage is an advantage that, you know, the Dolphins don't really have the luxury of having. We have new pieces, but like the book's out on what Shane Gailey's going to do. We've got five years of experience and tape of Fitzpatrick in Shane Gailey's offense. Nothing earth-shattering is going to happen. The Dolphins are going to drop some atomic bomb. Now, maybe they do, but they'd have to go completely off the reservation like Wildcat-type scenario. If that happens... Yeah, I'm a little bit more excited. But I think the Patriots, despite the fact that they've lost uh, a bunch of talent on the defensive side of the ball this year, I do think Cam Newton in Josh McDaniels' offense is going to give them enough of a spark and allow them to get enough off script and do enough things that the Dolphins have not seen from the Patriots. And I'm probably going to pick the Patriots to win the game. I'm sorry. I'm mad that I'm doing it. I don't like that I'm doing it, but I'm trying to come up with as realistic and grounded of a grading approach as possible. Now, if it's going to make you feel any better, week two, Dolphins are going to have 13,000 fans in the stands for a 1 o'clock kick against the Northern Buffalo team. And listen, I'm in Delaware, right? So I'm not even as far north as Buffalo. And the weather the past two weeks has been mild. So if you're telling me that team is going to ha- probably have to wear non-white uniforms because the Dolphins at home, if they're smart, they're wearing white. September, week two, home opener. Got to make them travel down here. I think Miami can take the Buffalo game. 
week two and get off to a one and one start in the division, which would be great. If they could somehow start two and two and zero, we're doing backflips. I'm slamming whiskey on the internet. It's a happy-go-lucky experience all around. We'll be thrilled. Short week. The following week, week three, they go to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. And there's good news and bad news here. Uh, the bad news is road teams traditionally do not fare well on a short week on Thursday night football. But the good news is the Jaguars stink this year. They are going to be a rough watch of a football team. They've got talent on defense, but it's young. And they don't have secondary players. The Dolphins making the investments that they have to try to get better on the offensive line. I feel a lot better about their prospects of having success. So, I think, and if you're going to travel, if you're going to have a road Thursday night football game, could you think of a better place to travel than up the coast to freaking Jacksonville. The Dolphins could leave at lunchtime and be ready to go. It's not as though you're you're totally getting out of your cycle and routine. So I think that also helps the Dolphins. Dolphins dub week week three on a short week. So then you get an extended 10 days, and then the Seattle Seahawks are coming to town to play the Miami Dolphins. And this Seattle matchup is interesting because there's dynamics that Seattle has that are blatant and obvious advantages for them, namely Russell Wilson. But Seattle plays a brand of football that if you can stay physical with them, I think you can stay competitive with them. And Seattle is also not a team that wins all of the games that they are supposed to win. No, this team is they're consistently good. Don't think they have not had a single losing record since Russell Wilson got there. I don't even think they've been 500 since Russell Wilson got there. Their track record is amazing, but they can play a lot of close football games, a lot of tight football games. Their roster outside of Russell Wilson has plenty of holes. And they've got to come it's as far of a trip as you can possibly make in this in this league. Seattle to Miami. Miami at home is a massive advantage for the Dolphins. And I do think the Dolphins, you know, obviously they've kind of been holding out hope that, may, you know, maybe Jadavion Clowney gets back in the mix for them. Obviously he went to Tennessee, so he's out. Their pass rush off the edge. They're, they've lost a massive disruptive presence. They're banking on one of their first-round picks, LJ Collier, to step up and, and fill some of that void for them. Bobby Wagner, elite football player. Jamal Adams, elite football player. K.J. Wright slowing down a little bit. I think in the trenches, Miami's big and physical enough to bump with him on both sides of the ball. And you've got two big physical press corners in DK Metcalf or in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard to try and match up with DK Metcalf. 
And then you got more quick-footed guys. I think Igbo will be helpful even with his inexperience against Tyler Lockett. And then you mix and match Bobby McCain in there for coverage on Tyler. Like, I think the Dolphins can can play matchup in man coverage. The question is, is the Dolphins' home field advantage enough to overcome the quarterback advantage that the Seattle Seahawks very clearly have in the second-best quarterback in the NFL in Russell Wilson? elite football player. He's routinely working magic. He's routinely bailing his team out. I think I'm giving Miami a dub here, guys. Three and one start to the season, which if it happens, we have to be ecstatic. Not excited, ecstatic to start the year three and one. But it's all there for the taking. When you lay it out like that, I think it's very clear that this it's not an outrageous proposition for Miami. You win at home, you get two wins at home against Seattle and Buffalo, and you win on the road against a bad Jacksonville team. Okay, let's go. I'll sign on the dotted line right now for a 3 and one start to the season. I don't think it'll be worse than 2-2. Two and two. I think they will find a way to win some of these games, even if they don't win all of them, and obviously 3-1 and one is a optimistic forecast for the Dolphins. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, the stable hand, stabilizing factor, veteran experience, and this is a hungry football team. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And if you you have never enjoyed or indulged in Built Bar, I would kindly invite you, this is now the time to do so. Between under 200 calories per bar, 20 grams of protein per bar, all the delicious flavors that they have, and a brand new formula for creating protein bars. Built Bar has something for everyone. So whether you're looking for a healthy post-workout snack, snack throughout the day, you're on the keto diet, you just like eating delicious things, whatever it is, Built Bar can be that product for you. And right now, Locked On listeners can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On to save $10 off their next order. So find out what all the fuss is about. Go to BuiltBar.com, enter promo code Locked On, and save $10 off your first box. The next two weeks for the Dolphins are rough. They go to San Francisco, so take everything that I just applied to the Seattle dynamics for Seattle coming to Miami and now apply the inverse to the Dolphins having to go to San Francisco. I don't think home field advantage is going to be super dramatic from a fan's perspective. I don't believe San Francisco is going to have fans early in the year. But nevertheless, you got to travel across the country. Your body clock's going to be different. That's a, that is a tough challenge to take in stride. San Francisco, obviously very good on both sides of the ball in the trenches. Uh, Tony Romo observed, he talked to Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald, and said that the Dolphins kind of taking a page out of the 49ers rebuilding playbook, how they were uh, not very good, not very good, not very good, continue to invest in the trenches, and then boom, all of a sudden the other shoe drops this talent that they've invested in turns the corner, and this is suddenly a very good San Francisco 49ers team. You gotta have a quarterback, you gotta protect your quarterback, and you gotta disrupt the opposing quarterback. San Francisco does all those things. Jimmy G, how good he is, well, that's you know still up for debate. 
but there's no question they are very high end <laughs> with what they have on both sides of the ball in the trenches. I think that the 49ers experience, talent on the trenches, and them being at home are, are too much for the Dolphins to overcome. I will pick them to lose this game to move them to 3-2. and two. Okay, Now, following week, we don't have to go quite as far west, but we do are, still have to go west. We're going to Denver. Prognosis for this game. Von Miller got hurt yesterday. Not like, oh, I sprained my ankle. Like, oh, we, he's probably done for the year kind of hurt. So as you're forecasting this game, understand that the dynamics for Denver may have just dramatically shifted on the defensive side of the football. And interestingly enough, there is this is a team that has a as Joe Marino, who I'm going down to Charlotte to to go uh, work with for the first week of the NFL season. They have a developing quarterback surrounded by developing pieces. The offensive line is not overly impressive. They lost offensive tackle Juwan James, opted out. Uh, So Elijah Wilkinson and Garrett Bowles are their starting offensive tackles. they got a rookie starting center. They're going to have two rookie wide receivers in K.J. Hamler and Jerry Judy that they haven't had much time to work with. Drew Locke, a second-year quarterback who has only started five career games. And... No offense, a second-year tight end. So offensively, like, a lot of young pieces. At least the Dolphins have experience at quarterback, and they have experience. They didn't dramatically turn the receiving room on its head, right? It's all players that were here last year and worked with Fitz last year, for the most part. So I think that that is an advantage for the Dolphins. But playing in Denver is no small thing either, and the challenge with playing in Denver is the altitude, right? It is uh, hard to catch your breath. Your oxygen levels aren't where they're used to, and and for Denver to be at home there, that is a big advantage. And for the Denver Broncos to be boasting a, a head coach in Vic Fangio who is extremely capable, he's one of the better defensive play callers in the NFL. Losing Von Miller hurts, but it's not going to cripple this defense. I would still probably, if I didn't pick Seattle as a win for Miami at home, and I had a better reason to pick Seattle or Miami to beat Seattle, I'd probably lean into and want to pick Denver to lose this game to Miami, especially given the Von Miller injury. But I don't think the Dolphins are a team that we could sit here and say, oh, well, they're going to win all the games they're supposed to. They could win this football game. But because I pick Seattle as a dub, because Denver is at home in the altitude, I will pick Miami to drop this game to move from 3-1 and one to 3-3 three and three on the season. Now, the good news. Dolphins come home and play two consecutive games against two consecutive teams from Los Angeles. We got the Chargers and then the Rams back to back. Rams are, are the, the Chargers are first, and the Chargers just lost Derwin James for the season. There's been a lot of these injuries going around early on because these players uh, obviously trying to get ready for the season, not having their typical ramp up period, some soft tissue injuries, some. And you have to feel for Derwin James, man. He was so good as a rookie. 
but then he also missed last year with injury. So that's a big loss for the Chargers. They should be able to take it relatively in stride from a coverage perspective. It's not a backbreaker. But you think about the Chargers. Terod Taylor is not a dynamic quarterback. And if Justin Herbert's starting by this point, you're going to have a rookie quarterback who did not handle pressure well at Oregon. He had an offensive line that's problematic for the Chargers. The left side of their offensive line is not good. It will really help them to have Brian Bulaga uh, in the mix at right tackle. And they traded for Trey Turner at right guard. Right side of the line looks pretty nice. Mike Pouncey at center. But the left side of this offensive line is bad. Like, really bad. And the Dolphins should be able to push them around a little bit. So you have a non-dynamic quarterback or a rookie quarterback who doesn't handle pressure well and will be extremely inexperienced playing cross-country game with a bad offensive line against a power-oriented defensive front seven. I like the Dolphins' chances to win this football game. Give me a dub here to move to 4-3. and three. Now, midpoint of the season, L.A. Rams. Same thing, coming across the country. I think you got a better offensive play caller in Sean McVay. you got a better quarterback in Jared Goff. But Jared Goff, here's the book on Jared Goff. You pressure Goff, he's going to make bad decisions. The Dolphins against the Rams offensive line, I think that is a matchup. Dolphins front seven versus Rams offensive line that the Dolphins win. I think that is an advantage for Miami. I think they can pressure and blitz Jared Goff. I think they do have the options in coverage to stay sticky on the Robert Woods of the world, of the Cooper Cups of the world. Van Jefferson is probably going to be their wide receiver three this year. I think the the Dolphins' defense matches up very, very well with the Rams. And then you add in the layer on top of that of Rams have to come across the country. There's one thing I don't really know, and that's how in the hell the Dolphins are going to block Aaron Donald. I'm fine with not throwing at Jalen Ramsey. How do you block Aaron Donald? And the good news for the Dolphins is this is not one of the first five games or three five games of the season, right? This is game eight. This is two months of game reps now. And the Dolphins have big-ass bodies in the middle. Big-ass bodies in the middle. I think that is an advantage for Miami to know that we can throw 650 pounds at Aaron Donald on any given snap and double-team him until there's no tomorrow. They have the power components to be able to at least throw mass at him. And you can call me crazy, but you can give me a a dub against both Los Angeles teams at home for Miami. I can absolutely buy into that being a thing that happens, which would put the Dolphins at the midway point of the season. You guessed it, five and three. On pace for 10 wins at the halfway point. We are on to the second half of the Miami Dolphins schedule. I am out of the car, blessed. I'm sitting here at the terminal. It's very odd. This is the first time I've been at the airport 
uh, since the coronavirus pandemic hit, but I get a little bit more space to record. So silver lining, right? Black cloud, silver lining. Here we go. We have the Dolphins forecasted for five and three through the first eight games of the season. And now you got a road game where you got to go to Arizona. And the good news is you play inside. Less chance for adverse effects of weather on the game. But you're going to Arizona. It's another West Coast game, which stinks for the Dolphins. Kyler is the kind of quarterback that has given the Dolphins fits in the past, right? You think about how much trouble the Dolphins have had with boxing in mobile quarterbacks, slippery slope. I'm not crazy about it. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, a big addition. And this is a game that, game nine for the Dolphins, uh, the opposition in DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray is going to have had several games now to establish and continue to build chemistry for how they work well together. So I will give the Dolphins because we gave them benefit of the doubt in our last two, and I don't think the Dolphins are going to be a runaway like 10-11 win team. I think they'll keep it close. I would forecast this as a loss for Miami, which would drop them to 5-4 and four coming into the bye after a game against the New York Jets. I do think the Dolphins sweep the Jets. I don't think the Jets have the talent this season to stay competitive. And I I like that the Dolphins get the first game in Miami. The fact that they get to host the Jets, they kind of get a feel for each other with the home field advantage. I'll give the Jets two losses in consecutive weeks with a bye week sandwiched in between, which would put the Dolphins at 7-4. and entering into the December schedule. Seven and four, we've got Bengals, Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, and Bills the rest of the way. The good news here is a 500 season looks very, very doable. So home against Cincinnati, young quarterback Joe Burrow. I'm not crazy about the coaching staff that Cincinnati has in place here. I'm going to take this as a home win for Miami, which would move this team to 8-4 and four, uh, with games upcoming against the Chiefs and Patriots. Two home games for Miami. That's the good news. The bad news is it's the Chiefs and Patriots. Uh, long story short, I can't predict the win against Kansas City reigning Super Bowl champions. I just can't do it. The Dolphins have not proven they're on that level yet. So that would put Miami at 8-5. and five. I said early on, I thought a series split with New England was reasonable. We get the home game in late December. It's five days before Christmas. The Patriots have to come down south. Nine and five for Miami. They close with two road games, and they're both tough games. Uh, The Raiders game is kind of going to be the critical game. And you think about the way that the Raiders are, because I don't think Miami will sweep Buffalo, and I gave Miami a weak win a week two win against Buffalo. Uh, So I have Miami losing this week 17 contest January 3rd to Buffalo. It's in Buffalo in January. That's a tough draw. I don't have a lot of confidence in Miami's ability to go into cold weather with consistency and win football games. So that's going to be a loss. So this is now I'm either forecasting a nine or 10 win season here, which I'm sure will go over extremely well. (laughs) Um, The thing about the Raiders that is a tough matchup is this is another blue-collar team. I think they've got one of the best offensive lines across the starting five of any team in the NFL. You think about how physical they are. 
They can run with an attitude. This is another West Coast trip for Miami. The Raiders have the ability to run the football on anybody and keep it a close-knit game. The question is, can Miami's offense churn out and grind out points against the Raiders? I think you'll have some opportunities with Devontae Parker against this secondary. I think you can make some noise. But it's a road game. Really good offensive line for the opposition. The Raiders are a blue-collar, nasty team. I'd probably pick a loss here. And Miami finishes the season at 9-7. and seven. Ten wins is very doable for this team. I believe my last forecast for this team was also 8-8, eight 9-7. Eight, I'm sitting on nine wins. I'm not getting off it. I think it is perfectly reasonable for the Dolphins. I had them start fast. And if you don't like the fact that the Dolphins lost their final two games of the season... Maybe if this team starts slow, maybe if there's a change for Tua, although I think that's another interesting subplot here is I had this team start fairly fast. I don't necessarily know if a change to Tua is imminent. I know we all want to see him, and I'm sure they'll find excuses to get him reps here and there when games are in hand one way or the other. But I think this schedule, especially when you start taking into account like home and away games, if Miami's going to make this stretch or this flip, like after Denver might be the time when we're sitting at 500 because I think they have a very realistic chance between Chargers, Rams, Cardinals, Jets, Jets, Bengals. That stretch of games, you can make a dent. Having Tua versus Fitzpatrick probably doesn't change the forecast for me this season in the here and now. I still think it's a nine-win team either way just because you got a rookie quarterback. But you know what? Let's let's say that. Nothing here is going to change from a dynamics of wins and losses. But that Broncos game to, to drop the 500. Chargers game first start for Tua. Tua starts 10 games. Let's go ahead and put that on the books here as well. Formal prediction for the Dolphins. 9-7. and seven, Tua starts 10 games. Dolphins have a winning record of the games that he starts. They go 6-4 and four in his 10 starts this season. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off. Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast. We do have two more episodes this week. We have Power to the Pod tomorrow, so you guys bring the discussion topics, and I'll make sure they get taken care of. We'll talk about what you want to talk about. We also have a Locked On Patriots crossover with Mike DeBate. And then on Friday, we're going to be breaking down in depth the matchup between the Patriots and the Dolphins, how each team is going to look to attack one another, and who's going to win that football game and why. I've given you my surface-level prediction, but we're going to take the deep dive and how the Dolphins could make me wrong, which I would love nothing more than for Miami to surprise me and make me wrong.